0: Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. All right. Hello, hello. Thanks, Hunter. Resident strong man. Perfect. Um, well, hey, my name is Peyton. If um, we do not know each other, hello, I'd love to meet you. Um, before you leave tonight. Um, and I want to do just a quick recap in case there are some new faces or you haven't been here like last week or the week before. Um, we talked about this worship night that we're doing on the 17th, but that is to celebrate um, <clears throat> what we have talked about and walked through in this series called Made for This. And if you're looking at that and you're like asking the question, "What are, what is made for this? Made for What? Um, And we are walking through this series of what it looks like for the people of God to worship God in different scenarios, situations, seasons of life. Um, And we kind of coined it, or at least I did, off of a quote that Tim Keller, who is a pastor in New York City, anyone a fan of New York? Love New York. Um, What Tim Keller says about worship, and worship in particular with us, is everyone worships something, period, full stop. He says, the only choice you get is to choose what you worship. So he says, everybody is capable of worship, and everyone does worship something. The choice that you have is what you worship. And we're at a church, so maybe uh, it's not blind to you, but what myself and the leaders in this room want you to worship or are begging you to look at because we believe that he's the only one worthy of worship is God. Um, But we realize that there are things that entice and grab for our attention all over in our culture and society um, and things that beg you to worship them. And what we're saying, what I'm saying is they are not ultimately satisfying or fulfilling um, that God is the only one that is. So we started out, Kalisa preached the first week and just answered the question of what is worship? Um, What does it look like to worship, to give adoration and reverence to something, and in our case, to God? And then last week, Tyler talked about worship in temptation, the times that things come in and want to steal your attention away from God. And tonight, because you can read, you know that we're at worshiping in doubt And doubt is a funny thing. Um, I think it gets talked about a lot, at least on Facebook and Pinterest. There are these like really pretty glittery backgrounds that say like pithy statements like, when in doubt, buy both. Because who likes to choose? No one. Uh, Or when in doubt, pinky out. For you Great Britain fans out there that are fancy. Um, Or when in doubt, go to Chick-fil-A. That's a good one I like. Um, Here's what you guys thought. When in doubt run it out. Runners in the room, who likes to run? Not me. I would never, I would never run it out. You'd never find me running it out. Uh, When in doubt, I would do this. Eat cookies. Who's, who is thankful for the cookies at cafe? Shout out to Brenton and Sydney for making those cookies. Um, We got (laughs) when in doubt, eat a Cheeto puff. One single Cheeto puff because bet you can't just eat just one. Uh, we've, I feel like this is from an old person in the room, but maybe not. When in doubt, dab. Do you guys dab anymore? Is that a thing that you guys do? Uh, when in doubt, dance it out. Dance it out. All right, everyone stand up and show me the dance you do. When in doubt, dance it out. Your one dance move, Tweedledee and Tweedledum from, from Alice in Wonderland. I'm not calling you dumb. That's just, I feel like that's the move they do. Uh, personal favorite. When in doubt, drink a coffee. You get it. There are lots of things that you can do when you're in doubt, preferably things that rhyme with the word doubt, like shout it out uh, or spout it out. I don't know. That's terrible. But what I want to say tonight um, is that even though, like, cookies and coffee and for sure running are good for you and fine things, um, they're not ultimately going to absolve you of doubt, right? You can be a pack of Oreos in and still be sitting in your doubt. You can run 10 miles uh, and doubt yourself for running those in your shoes, but you will probably not be absolved of your doubt or those questions that are confusing or frustrating to you. So what I wanna say to you tonight is when in doubt, worship and worship God because he is the one that doubts can go to and maybe for sure they won't be completely dissolved and every answer will be perfectly tied into a bow of just what you wanted and just what you needed to hear but he has the character that can withstand any question and any confusion and any frustration that you might have okay and also what i want you to hear cuz maybe this will come up when you when you hear doubts and you immediately feel, gosh, uh-oh, like I'm in trouble. Or you might feel shame, or you might um, feel like doubting is completely wrong and something that you have to run away and, and you know, doubt by yourself. What I also want to tell you is that doubt is not necessarily contradictory to faith. Doubt is not necessarily opposite or opposed to Faith. And I think a lot of the time when I was growing up and any time I had a question about God or I didn't understand something about him, I was like, man, if I'm questioning him, I probably have no faith. And I've totally like left my belief in him. But I don't think that that is actually what doubt is. Doubt can be necessary for faith, actually. And here's what I mean. One guy I was reading um, when he was talking about doubt likened it to this, that doubt is to faith like antibodies are to a body, okay? So we're talking about antibodies a lot. It's cold season, flu season, COVID season. And everyone's like, you gotta have antibodies so they can fight back against all the nasty stuff that's trying to come at you. And he says, doubt is like that for faith, because if you just have this faith and you're like, man, I'm good, I know these three things, and I'm never going to ask questions about anything, that is a faith that can be infiltrated very easily whenever something happens. right? If you have never said, I can ask questions of anything I believe and go to God for that, that is a faith that is there. But with doubt and asking questions and turning to God in those, doubt can be necessary for a greater Faith. And doubt is not something that just I have struggled with in my life. I would bet to say that a lot of you in here have had at least uh, one day that you've doubted something or had a question pop into your mind and been like, wait, I don't think I understand this. This doesn't really make sense to me. Maybe you're in a season of doubt right now. Maybe you just came out of one. Maybe you don't even know that you're stepping into one where you're going to wrestle and you're going to have questions. But what I want you to hear tonight is that doubt is not necessarily in opposition to faith because all of faith can be a wrestle with doubt of figuring out answers to questions or at least who to turn to in those questions. And so I think about um, at times that doubt could pop up in scripture and I love uh, Genesis 1 because I'm always like, man, that is what it's supposed to, that's what the world is supposed to be like. And I wish so badly it was, right? In Genesis 1, we see that God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus, they're all there present at creation, working together in community. And they're creating everything that we know. Son, Moon, stars, land, sea. They're putting expanses. They're creating vegetation and animals, and they're creating us. And it's all good. That's what God says in refrain after refrain. It's all good. And then the accuser, the deceiver, the truth twister serpent comes in. And I think what he's trying to do is he's trying to start to plant doubt. And he goes to Eve you know, who's, I guess, standing near the tree. And he's like, did God really say these things? And he starts to ask this question of doubt of like, is God really good? Like, I feel that underneath the question. Is God really good? Like, would he give you this tree that you can't eat from if he was good? Wouldn't he just let you have free reign? Or is God really trustworthy? Like, can you trust that he knows what is good for you? Like, why doesn't he want you to be like him? Why doesn't he want you to have the knowledge that he has? Is he trustworthy? Is he good? And we know how the story goes. And then last week, we were looking at Jesus's temptations, right? The times that Satan came and he was like, hey, if you do this, you'll get this in return. Jesus is like, no, no. And every time, I think it can boil back down to the accuser is coming and he's trying to twist truth. And he's like, all right, is the father really good? Is he really trustworthy? Like, you could have all of this. You're hungry. You could have stone bread. Is he good? Is he trustworthy? And we see, like Tyler said last week, that Jesus is the greater Adam and Eve who doesn't give in to temptation and to the deceivement of the accuser. And then I think of the story that we're going to land in tonight, which is the story of Job. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to chapter one of Job because that's really where we're going to be because it's super long and we can't get into all of it tonight. But the story of Job, what we find in chapter one is that Job is a very righteous man. Like he's full of integrity, full of faith. He has a great family. He has great wealth. But Job's life doesn't remain there with all of the great things, a life of ease, a life of pain. Because again, you have this weird like situation playing in heaven, like in front of God with all these angels and this accuser, the deceiver, the Satan, the Satan is, he's like, hey, uh, your buddy Job down there he probably wouldn't follow you if you didn't give him all of these good things. And God's like, no, I think like Job's pretty solid. Like he trusts me and he thinks I'm good. Um, And it's not just because I give him all these things. And he's like, want to bet? Let me take a stab at him. And so God's like, okay, but you you can't hurt him. And so this is how it reads in Job chapter 1, verses 13 through 19. One day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. And my friend Teresa said, this reads kind of like a bad infomercial because then you would input here. But wait, there's more. A messenger came while he was still talking and said the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. And you get what's coming next. Wait, there's more. Verse 17, while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. And wait, there's more. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the older brother's house, And I can just imagine his face after hearing about all of his animals, all of his servants, and they say, Your kids, suddenly a mighty wind came, swept in from the desert, and struck the four corners of the house. It collapsed on them, and they are dead. And I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. Job, in I don't know how long that conversation took, but in a day, has probably experienced like the worst tragedy. He's lost all of his family, all of his servants, all of his source of income. And yet what he does after that in verse 20 is he falls to his knees and he worships. And it says that he didn't sin in all of this. And if that's not bad enough, then later on in the book, uh, the accuser is like, well, you didn't like physically hurt him. Watch, now he'll tell me that you're not good and that you're not trustworthy. And so Job like gets these nasty boils all over his body. And I think of like the worst sunburn and the worst like itchy poison ivy and also the worst pimples ever. That's like what I'm picturing on Job. And like that sucks, that's gross. And still throughout the book of Job, He's like battling with his friends that come, 24 chapters of dialogue worth, and standing up for himself and for God, essentially. Because they're like, you've had to have sinned, Job. You had to have done something wrong for God to afflict all of this on you. And he's like, no, that's just not who he is. And it's repeated and repeated and repeated. And so though our tragedy and the suffering and the pain that we have may not look like that, I wonder if doubt has ever become a part of your life Because you lost a loved one, or because you lost a friendship, or because someone that was supposed to take care of you did not do it in the way that they were supposed to, or because maybe a natural disaster did happen and you lost things that were valuable or at least useful to you. Because doubt sometimes comes in through the circumstances that we're experiencing in our lives. Or like for me, when I got my license, um, I liked to drive with my friends. And I was the first one out of my friend group to get it when I was a freshman in high school. And so there would be moments then that I would like drop my friends off. And then I would be driving home. And sometimes like I was weird and I was like, I think someone's following me. So I'd go like a long way. Or I just wanted to drive longer because I enjoyed it. And there would be times that I was driving in the night. And like a weird thought would pop into my head. I'm hearing that they're called intrusive thoughts now. Um, and it would be like, does God really exist? I'm like, what? Where did that come from at a red light by Web City McDonald's? Or I would be laying in bed. Sometimes I could go to sleep really easily and sometimes it would take me forever to fall asleep. And a thought would pop into my mind of like, have, have I actually ever heard from God? Or what about the Bible? Like, Is it all real? And all of these questions would pop into my head. And I felt paralyzed. And sometimes I would even quake at the thought of like having those questions. Because again, I was like, if I doubt anything that I've ever been told, if I doubt anything or ask questions of God, then do I not believe in him anymore? And so I don't know if maybe that's been that for you. Maybe a friend has come up to you or not even a friend, some random person in the hall. And they're like, hey, what about this with God? Like, if God really existed, if God really cared about you, then so-and-so, this would happen. Or X, Y, and Z would happen. Or maybe those thoughts just come from you. And you've had a moment, if you're being honest, where you're like, wow, I do, I do have questions. I am confused about this. Or this makes me really frustrated and doesn't, like like, the easy answer of God is good. That makes me mad. Or maybe... You've like asked so specifically for something and God hasn't answered in the way that you wanted him to. And that has led you to ask questions. And so again, I want to say that doubt is not always necessarily in opposition to faith. But there is, like a lot of things in life, a good way to do things and a bad way, right? There's a good way to lift weights. It's to stretch and to eat well and to like get enough sleep. The bad way to do it is me waking up at 5.30 a.m. and being like, I hate today, and going and not stretching, and like pulling a calf muscle or something, right? There's a good way and a bad way to drive. The bad way, I'm looking at you boys, driving way too fast and peeling out in the parking lot, Clay no no and there's a good way to drive right with your seatbelt on and following the speed limit sign and making sure you're not texting and driving and making sure your eyes are open don't drive with the bare minimum is to keep your eyes open that's what I'm saying and there's a good way and a bad way to eat right Like, have you ever just been so hungry and gone to Sonic and got cheddar bites and just like started munching on them like you've never seen food in your life and then started choking on them and you're like, I've been eating like an animal and now I'm suffering my consequences. There's a normal way to eat it, slowly and lovely, funny. But there's also a good way and an unhelpful way to doubt. So how do we doubt well, is my question to you. How do we doubt well? Well, I think some of the unhelpful ways are maybe how I have done it in my past when I was in high school. And I didn't want anyone to know that I had any questions or anything that confused me. Like I'm tricking any of my leaders, being a 16-year-old, like I have all the answers. Nothing is is surprising to me. No. No. And instead of going to someone that I trusted or instead of going to Scripture or to prayer and seeking answers, I would just kind of hide back and pull away. And I'd be like, no one knows what's going on. Like, I'm totally acting cool. No one can see that I'm going through something. They could. They could see it. So I think to doubt well would to be to doubt towards God, not away from him. Because here's what I see in Job at the end, after all of these dialogue between him and his friends, God speaks. Like up until then, you're like, where is God? What, is he, what does he actually think about this? This accuser guy, he's terrible. And God in chapter 38 starts to speak and he says like the most powerful thing ever. He's like, where were you when everything was created? And I do think that like Job kind of got into a a rut and was kind of like starting to be accusatory towards God. But God, what he simply said was this whole like list of look what I've done, look what I've created, look what I sustained. Do you sustain that, Job? And he gave him all of these ways to see himself at work to say, Job, you can trust me because I know you, because I created you. And so, doubting towards God, what I want you to know is that God is present and God sees you. And I don't know if that's important to you or not. To know that when you have so many questions that don't seem there will be any answers to, and there may not be on this side of heaven, but to know that God sees you and He's present. And he is way bigger. Our doubts might make us shake and terrify us, but he is not in the least bit worried about what you might ask or what you might wonder or what you might be confused or frustrated about because he sees you and he's present. And so I wanna, I wanna tell you three, three things that I think practically you can do to worship God in doubt. I think one, You can get the doubts out of your head. You can name them, write them down, tell them to a trusted friend, tell them to a parent, tell them to a mentor, get them out of here so they can breathe and have room and not just decay your mind and make you a crazy person and run constant, get them out. And then if you're going to doubt, doubt them, put them on trial Ask questions. Okay, this is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm confused by. This is what I don't understand. Where is that coming from? Has something happened? Has someone said something to me? Have I read something? Have I looked at something? Where is this coming from? And then line it up to scripture. Does it make sense in the context of who I know God is and what he has revealed through his word? And third, practically, which if you're doubting right now, you're probably not going to love to hear is to trust him to surrender and say all right maybe you do know more than I know about myself but all of these things you can do in community and you can do with people in this room that care for you and that love for you and you don't have to run away and you don't have to figure all this out on your own you can look at God and you can look at other people and you can remember the times that he has worked and you can remember all of the things that he has made and the things that he sustains. And you can wrestle with this idea of, is he good? Is he trustworthy? But get it out of here and get it out of the shadows and let people into that doubt. Because what? What? Look, eat Chick-fil-A that's fine for the moment that you're eating it then you're going to get gas and then you're not going to feel good and your doubts are not going to be absolved I am betting my life on the fact that God is good and trustworthy in all seasons in all circumstances in all situations and so I want to tell you When you are in doubt, worship God. Because that's what I'm betting my life on. That's who I'm betting my life on, that he has the answers and he is present and with you. What about you? Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christchurch, visit us online at cco.church.